Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Now, last time we did this on the phone, we do two episodes at once. So when I say last time, I mean number 10 and 11. It turned out pretty good, but this time we upgraded. So we got Evan on one of those headsets, so his voice sounds clearer, and we're doing it on FaceTime so we could see each other, get the reactions that we wanted to see, and tell when the next person was ready to talk, etc. And it just flows much better. So this feels more like the normal show that you're used to. And this is the conclusion of our 90s Batman quadrilogy review. And I got to say, we had a pretty good time. So this is Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. All right, I'm rolling. We're doing it. Hell yeah! Batman and Robin, 1997. What a time. What a good year. Directed by Joel Schumacher. Written by Akiva Goldsman. Starring top build, much like 89 was, Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, and newcomers Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone. This, once again, scored by Elliot Goldenthal. And good Lord, do we have some things to talk about. What a banging cast, man. <laughs> the, you know, as you mentioned the score, I, since we talked about it last time, I really appreciate it the new theme watching this one i do like a lot it's really good yeah i think it's great and the music wasn't as obnoxious this time yeah it was more consistent yeah do you think there was less of it ben yeah i do think there was less of it it wasn't so i didn't feel like maybe i just didn't notice it but it didn't seem like there was so much the trombones going like really dramatically (laughs) to remind you you're supposed to feel tense right now Uh the biggest change for me between the two movies is consistency you have that with the music, you have that with the visuals and the writing and the acting. Like the thing that got me about forever was that for a minute they'd have a really grounded scene about the psychology of the characters and they'd flip it on you and do some wild crazy shit. And this one is just 100% wild crazy shit. Um, (laughs) And somehow that's easier to digest. Yeah, I agree. Because it's not like, well, what are you trying to... St- Who is... I don't... You know. This movie opens with, well, the first scene being a callback to the joke for Batman Forever with a very dramatic suit-up intro, although way more butts and crotches. It's like, and it's like, it's like three times as long. As yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's still pretty dramatic, and it ends again with a joke. But I like it this time because since it's a repeat, it's a callback. Yeah. So I can, it's not such a, like a buzzkill like it was in Batman Forever. <laughs> I almost think that Chris O'Donnell seems like a younger person in this than he does in the other one. <laughs> That's like, true. Like either he's more comfortable, or in the last one he's he's like brooding, and it's too soon after stuff. And then in this one, maybe it's just the writing, but he actually seems like a younger person. Like, Kicks yeah. dig the car and stuff. <laughs> what I was thinking during that first scene, before you realize that Alfred is sick, you know, they they suit up. And they hop in the car and take off, you know, and then Alfred gives him a little quip on the way out. And then the camera lingers on his face. And he sort of looks like he just shit his pants. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, 
wait, what's going on here? That was a very strange look because it wasn't very, I don't know. Like he's one of the best parts of the whole four film series. You know, he's a great Alfred and a great actor. Yeah. But I, I was like that face. He just seemed like, is he wearing adult diapers? And he just had like a moment. He needed, yeah. he needed them to leave so he could take care of that real quick. I, I don't think they, they just, they didn't cut it and they let the camera go. And that's just him being an old person. <laughs> oh, I hate this movie. I'm tired of acting. Oh, yeah, he's just, he's just making old people faces for another 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like the, the stuff he's doing, he like kind of does a thing with his mouth. It yeah. like looks like a person who's like fixing their dentures. Or like, <laughs> like working a marble around in their mouth or something. No, I think that was the look of shame and a shitted pants. Well, there's no shame associated with being involved in this movie, so it must have been something else. <laughs> yeah. So we have Batman's entrance bursting through yet another glass ceiling. It's a trademark, baby. Batgirl once again bursts through a glass ceiling at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, George Schumacher likes certain things, I guess. It's, yeah. He really wants to see the same thing happen over and over. Yeah. He hates glass, man. He wants to break all of it. <laughs> I like Man, the way that this was only the, uh, like maybe a year or two too soon, but they could have played like Limp Biscuit break stuff and just had a glass <laughs> breaking montage. That would have been way better than the Smashing Pumpkins song. Oh fuck you! Which I thought I read something where the it won a it like was both extremely negatively received, but also it won a Grammy or something. What the song? The song, yeah. Limp Biscuit. No, not Limp Bizkit, no. Pumpkin. That's crazy. No, that's um. Well, we're getting to my only two pros right here off the top, but um. I need uh, it all for the nookie. Come on. <laughs> no, the 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 pumpkin song is awesome because they uh there's two. It's kind of like how you know in movie trailers now they'll take a song from twenty or thirty years ago. There's like a big rock song or something, and then they'll do some crazy spacey remix of it over. Oh, the, you mean every movie trailer now? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And so he did that. Corgan did that on that record where you have the like crazy, heavy, melancholy rock version of the song. And then you have the same song in a, a door, ethereal, electronic sort of landscape. And uh, yeah, I, I fucking love that song. Uh, that's one that's of my. That's cool remixing your own song, though. It's not in the movie. Um, no. But it, but uh, yeah, I've had the soundtrack to that one for many many years as well. Just like the uh, Forever is the two movies in the whole Batman canon that I don't own, but I had both the soundtracks. <laughs> I kind of think you do you own them now? I bought them for this. Yeah, you should. I mean, they, even though they're, I'm sorry, Evan, they're not good. You can still. I think they'd sit nicely on the bookshelf as like a part of the collection. Well, uh, all my never I say. All my DVDs are in uh, just in the order of when I bought them, so th there's there's not a a bat collection in the movies like there is in my comics. So yeah, uh, Batman on Ice. Yeah, he get, gets a Fred Flintstone slide down the back of a Brontosaurus move. <laughs> yes. So awesome. <laughs> I think Mr. Freeze is so excited by it he doesn't do anything; he just watches the entire thing happen. <laughs> That ice skater thing is like the ultimate version of uh, having having a goons that fit your whole like bad guy shtick. Yeah, that's so awesome. Well, and in the nineties, Yeti outfit. You know, yeah. in the eighties and nineties, when we were kids, 
you'd see like a popular show on ice you would go to see that you know like it's mickey mouse on ice it's batman on ice ninja, ninja turtles, turtles on, ice. on ice yeah exactly you know i went to, I would go to all those yeah i went to see stuff like that when i was little but yeah this was very much like somehow they just snuck that into a big budget movie yeah, yeah what an insane way to start a movie yeah a movie that's not about ice skating <laughs> <laughs> They really set the standard super high and then just maintain that level the entire time. I mean, they take the ice shit pretty far in this one. Really yeah, uh, the the ice puns. As much as I hate puns, I really like hearing Arnold Schwarzenegger say puns. Uh, and there's like that there's that super cut on the internet of just every single ice pun from this movie. And so, I really like that. As much as this movie... Well, this movie doesn't do it as bad as Batman Forever does where the villains are just aping Jack Nicholson as the Joker. No. Where they're wacky, but especially Uma Thurman. I think Uma Thurman is really good in this. I like that kind of femme fatale. I just, she did her own thing. She wasn't trying to mimic the wacky craziness that they did before. That is um, true. Yeah, she just did a good job. But yeah, all the ice puns. I loved them. I'm a backpack rapper, and I, I love puns and wordplay, but I just couldn't in this. It's just it's, it's too much. It's too like third grade puns. Yeah, they're really stupid <laughs> But hearing him with the Austrian accent just elevates it, I think. Yeah, he doesn't even, like, try to change his voice. Look who the dinosaurs! The Ice Age! I was thinking about that, especially when they, they showed the the footage from the laboratory and his accident and the sparking machine that threw him into the water. And his, he like could never help but be Arnold all the time. Yeah. And I don't know why nobody's like, hey, less or something. <laughs> they, just, they just let him do his thing. So in that clip, he's just like, like right into the water. And it's Predator. Maybe it's not Terminator so much because he didn't get to do because he's not a human man. Yes, true. He's Austrian robotic. <laughs> well, but hey, I mean, he, Ange's Siri is Australian. You know, you can change the accents now on your phone. Is there an Austrian Siri? That I don't know. Yeah, is my phone going to be like, chill out? <laughs> <laughs> and how can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Get to the chopper. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> Go ahead. What? Oh, I like what? the way... Uh, Go ahead, now I talk, though. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Batmobile on this is pretty wild with all of its colors and, you know, internal visible turbines and all that really cool stuff. Yeah, I like it. But too. one thing that I do really like is, especially in the first scene where they're taken off down the tunnel and you're seeing them from behind, the way it's designed to instead have that, like, centered, large thruster thing it has like four smaller ones per side and they mm. look kind of like tail lights and i actually think that it's a really cool like if somebody else was to do another version of it but include those tall tail light thrusters i think that's really dope actually i think the substitution for the turbine front of it how it's all crazy colorful almost liquid inside looking yeah, yeah. it looks like they just took the design of the box from the previous movie uh -huh. and like changed the color and put it in the front of the Batmobile. Yeah, that's right. I agree. This whole thing is like a rave. This whole movie is like going to a rave, I think. Yeah, so I have it playing in the background with the sound off. It's a great movie with no 
no sound. Is it? Just as a thing to, yeah. I mean, because I just look up every now and then, and there's like Batman pulling Robin out of a neon pool. <laughs> it's weird, but it's good. Visuals are awesome. You do in like that, colors, don't you? Yeah, I like colors a lot. In the in the scene where the, the Batmobile is tearing down that tunnel, all I could think was, who built this tunnel? And I know that's a thing you have with all Batman stuff, like the Batcave. But the Batcave, I get more of him like. He could have kind of done that himself and retrofitted it, but this this is like a huge industrial tunnel that's like kilometers long. I don't. And it it seems to span from his residence conveniently all the way to the center of the city somehow. I yeah. Mean, maybe maybe he also <laughs> built that, but it seems like pretty old and subterranean, and, and very, also leads to his house. And it's just a single road. It's not like an access way. It just looks like one long road. Yeah, I was wondering about that because he drops right in and then you just see him at fucking Wayne Manor and you're like wait a second is this like the rise of the Batman that we just read where like Tim Drake built the fucking uh, bullet trains underneath yeah. the city but there's only one and it comes from that building you happen to be in <laughs> yeah what, if, what about the people who live like in the shitty Gotham apartments above that they're like oh it's shaking again yeah uh, just because earthquake I guess yeah, what are you going to do? Call the landlord? They don't give a fuck. No one knows. I notice in the... Uh, I just have a few more notes on this opening scene here. The one punch, like the reverse one punch, where the fist goes up and hits a guy in the face. Uh, Freeze does that when he's making his escape. That's like what Keaton did in the uh, Axis Chemicals scene. Just like little things I wonder, you know, like the glass ceiling or certain things like that. Like I, I wonder if they're intentional moves or if it's just like he's in a giant suit how can he actually fight you know the second one yeah uh, the, gla- the glass ceiling i would give you is like he saw that in the other ones i thought that looks cool but the point that's just like they don't want to choreograph action scenes in this big suit okay well here's a question is no one worried about using this huge expensive diamond as a fucking hockey puck uh no because i don't think that it has to be it's more about the size of it than it being totally pristine or unscathed. As long as he can drop it in its little yeah, spot. Yeah, he's just going to melt it anyway for power. Yeah, like, as long as it can go in its little hole and it can be harnessed <laughs> for its energy, then it's good to go. So as long as it's big and goes in the hole, <laughs> doesn't matter what yeah. it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. okay. It's really utilitarian. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wonder like, if you could... If we could, uh, you know, get a diamond expert on the, uh, hey, Ben, how much do you know about diamonds? Yeah, really. I know enough to know that that was a giant piece of glass. Uh, <laughs> or, or like plastic. It's crystal. Maybe. It's crystal. I, I find that hard to believe. But glass, maybe. I wonder how much a diamond like that would cost in real life. Because those Hundreds, things are. A hundred million dollars? Yeah. Know, a lot. It's they're like half expensive. a football. Wait, yeah. let's pause yeah. this and go watch Uncut Gems. Yeah. Then you'll, because that, that's. Uncut Gems is mainly about the diamond in this movie. It's a really weird tie-in, but yeah, yeah, it's oh, a, it's I a strange. It was about like uncircumcised wieners. Or no, no, it's they not like a, name, it's not like uh, a, a a sequel as much as it's a spinoff of Little Nicky. <laughs> no, okay. What well, last thing on this fucking scene here? Oh, I've got a couple. It's a two-parter. Okay, oh. so the Arnold leaves in a fucking spaceship like Doctor Evil. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then and Robin is hanging on to the side of this shit 
And I was like, yo, did Kevin Feige watch this movie when they were putting together Endgame? Uh, or like Infinity War? Because you get Spider-Man on the side of the fucking spaceship as it goes up there. I was like, wow, I just, saw, a great movie. I just saw something like from one of my favorite movies and one of my least favorite movies you, done in the exact same way. It's a huge source of inspiration yeah. for all filmmakers as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I know, these really elevated cinema in your opinion. Yeah. Um, well, then that scene ends with uh, Mr. Freeze jumping out. What does he have, like a parachute or a glider? Or does he no, just... Yeah. Oh. He has, he has like wings that come off his suit. And then both Robin and Batman escape by sky surfing on the metal doors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of just plummeting to their deaths. And then you have they that... Sky surf. Turtles in time sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. possibly the most extreme and awesome thing that I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> in the museum, I, some of this stuff is so hokey, and I love it so much. Like where uh, Mr. Freeze, his gun gets tossed in the air, and it lands on top of this machine. Yeah, machine. You're like it, how it looks like it's straight out of like just the most basic. It, it's almost like it looks reversed, like it was on top of the thing. And then they, they push sh- it off. They sh- yeah, yeah, they shook it off. It falls totally. So in reverse, it's like you're. I'm like, this is not how gravity works. <laughs> and when he towards the end, where he oh he tosses the dude up in the air to to knock his gun back down and i was like is this guy gonna come down and it made me wonder about stuff for a second <laughs> he did come down but i was, but i thought it actually would have been cooler if he just like chucked him and then they didn't show him ever return wait it's like service. that it's like that video of prince on uh, it was like some rock and roll hall of fame or like grammy crazy star-studded performance where you get all these crazy guitar players doing their thing right and mm. P- Prince comes out there and is just like shredding on this Telecaster. And that at the end of the song, when everything's fading out, he's looking all cool. He flips the strap over his neck and he throws the guitar straight up. And it's a close-up shot of him throwing it straight up off camera. And then it cuts to a wide shot of the whole stage as everyone's taking a bow. And the guitar is just no longer there. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> performance or was it edited no it was live um and it's like there must have just been some guitar tech like expecting this to happen and darted off real quick but it is in an instant and you just look like is this man magical like what the (laughs) fuck just happened (laughs) yes i think the answer is yes two more things when the long dead frozen dinosaur replica crumbles it makes a dinosaur sound that's (laughs) realistic and cool (laughs) And also the the whole thing with his like escape pod rocket ship is kind of like Two Faced in the last one, where you'd swear that Two Faced was after the safe, and yet he's really quick to like. Just kidding! I wasn't actually after the safe. The safe is gonna fill up with acid, and you're gonna die, (laughs) Batman. Um, Like it was actually just a, a trap that he was going to really quickly jettison. Yep. And I thought the same thing when he drives in there with his, his spike truck and then shoots off his rocket. I was like, why didn't he just leave in the car? <laughs> and, but then, but then it, it's just part of this like multi-step elaborate plan to, uh, you know, shoot him out in space and freeze him to death. Yeah. This and, movie's really intelligent. It's got layers. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's super freaking smart. I, yeah, it's like I, I think that's really what it is. I didn't I didn't get it at first because I'm stupid, and it was actually brilliant. Also, Robin says cowabunga when they're sky surfing, and that's pretty cool to me. That's it. I'm done with that. We mentioned Uma Thurman when they introduce Ivy. It's again just straight from the old playbook. Like she looks the disheveled, disgruntled employee, like we saw in Nigma and Selena Kyle. And then she is killed by her boss, much like Max Shrek, but in a much stupider way. And uh, there's no like arc and transformation. She just literally rises from the ground sexualized and just after the poison and the ivy bring her back to life (laughs) the poison and the ivy (laughs) yeah this movie's not heavy on the science but that's (laughs) (laughs) but it is heavy on repeating the same things we've already seen yeah uh then we got bane who is uh given a meaningless backstory and rendered this feels like a like that one of those things that I complain about where whoever the writer was Akiva Goldsman yeah was like well I'm not gonna read that stupid comic book it's really long yeah I see what the guy looks like it's three gonna, parts yeah I bet you I can guess what his backstory is I think it's this <laughs> yeah I mean I will say in relation to Bane they got his size right they got the luchador mask from the comics and they gave him the South American ancestry. So, as- and he has that spike belt codpiece thing. Yes, yes. So, aside from making him like a mute hulking ignoramus. Th- oh yeah, that's much nicer than the words I was going to choose. Thank you. So, aside from totally ruining the character visually, you know, it they did get things right with him. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. More so than any other character in this movie in terms of the 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 caped theatrical characters i think uh you know bane at least looks the way that he did on the page and this is i I think even mr freeze in the same way like arnold schwarzenegger's mr freeze is nothing like the character i know yeah that uh his armor is cool looking it it fits the rest of this movie where it's all like see-through and kind of neon but i mean it's elaborate where when you look at ivy's costume she kind of has like the Riddler thing going where it just looks like yeah. pajamas. Felt like they ran out of money. Dude, when, she, when she comes out of the ground, uh, once again, it's like the 20-minute mark. I looked at how long I had been watching and, and said, like, how long is this movie? Oh, my God. You know. And then uh, when she pops out of the ground, again, my wife who's reading a book next to me looks up at the screen and says, I wrote this down. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. Did children write this? Yeah, I would think. I bet. I mean, I'm seeing that right now, and she's all like, she's uh, she's throwing things down onto the ground and burning a laboratory. She's not invincible. That's very dangerous. Yeah, and she's also just like, but pops out of the ground, just like sensually touching her midriff, and just like, see, it's like she was an alien, her and looks pretty good, and and you know, or like a spirit possessed a body and is just walking around in it for the first time, like, ooh, I'm hot as fuck. Mother Nature possessed her and brought her back to life. (laughs) (laughs) 
in that scene where uh, she gets killed, I uh, I really like the what is he? The, the mad scientist says the ununited nations, and that whole crew of guys. It reminded me of the opening to I think it's the first Naked Gun, where it's like every stereotype of oh like terrorists in the U.S. Uh, political <laughs> enemies at that time period, and they're all just standing on a slightly raised ledge behind the thing watching. I haven't <laughs> seen like that in Austin so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about the uh, Mr. Freeze conducting a sing along? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Is that your favorite? Also, well, I I honestly do because I love those <laughs> those old like Rankin and Bass um, stop motion movies like uh, Ru- like Rudolph and and all of those. Yeah. So its inclusion in this only <laughs> makes this even more better to me. You like that a better movie was featured in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was weird that I like I know what you mean by that. But... It's apropos of nothing. It cuts to him doing this right and. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really enthusiastic about it and then gets really upset when they're not doing it right. I'm like, you hired these guys to like kill people and rob. <laughs> and, like, they're not singers, Arnold. They didn't have this on their resumes. Should just sit in a freezer and sing along. <laughs> the uh, Vivica A. Fox is in this scene too and it's weird because Mr. Freeze had like an ice accident or something ice related. <laughs> and so now he likes the cold and that's all he can handle. But... I don't think she had a nice accident. And yeah. She's just wearing lingerie. Yeah. She's seemingly immune. Yeah, it's fine for her. I don't really know why she's there anyways. If he doesn't have any female interest, then why did he hire her as... Yeah, he's a, married. That's the whole point. Is, is that he loves his wife and he won't betray her, yeah. Like, if, the, yeah. if, if there's anything that got right about Freeze, again, it's that uh, as I'm watching this, I was shocked. I was like, oh, fuck, they, they have Nora in this? And, like, that was still his seemingly his motivation in the whole uh, point of his character yeah i mean they do some pretty good stuff with that despite how kind of insane the movie is i mean it's Um, it's meaningless in its execution but i liked that they still had it in there well except i mean this is jumping to the very end but the again despite how off the rails this movie is the fact that it ends with batman having beaten freeze Freeze is like, well, just kill me like you did there, or whatever yeah. he says. And just throw like, me off a cliff like every other villain. Yeah, and, and but Batman goes, like, no. How about you trust me, and I can, I need your help to help my friend, and we can help Nora together. And then Freeze or whatever he says, but something along those lines. Yeah. And then Freeze agrees and helps him, and like that. Despite this movie being insane, that is an extremely Batman thing. And I really, nice. really like that. Well, yeah. and that His character is treated well throughout this movie, despite. And that is what we saw in White Knight. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. makes me wonder, because White Knight is so referential, how much of that was like, oh yeah, I like that element of them working together. Well, and to be that focused in anything, you really have to dismiss everything else all the time. Even to like an kind of ignorant level, he'd have to be perpetually believing in the good in people while also kicking their ass all the time. Uh, so at the drop of a hat, if he sees that there's some opportunity, in this case, he needs to help Alfred, but if there was any opportunity for these people to turn their stuff around, it's not his whole gig to, to kick their butt and lock them in the slammer all the time. Um, That's part of why he doesn't kill them. Yeah. 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 Totally. So I thought it was just so he could beat on them later. Well, he does seem like that too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He keeps them around so he can kick their butts more. Uh, Uh, How do we glance over the whole 
ice skates in the bat boots thing because that was pretty fucking cool. Well, I mean, we very specifically talked about watching Batman on ice. I thought that that's what we were okay. discussing. Yeah, the idea that he I has, just, yeah, does he I, always have those on? Are those yeah. in his standard bat shoes, or did he yeah, know because like, he was going to the to fight Iceman? Then <laughs> no, I think they're like they're like they're like Heelys, and I really like the whole <laughs> the whole uh, Wizard of Oz like Dorothy heel click. You know, that's really cool. Yeah, so they're, they're ever, like in a fight, and Batman gets like punched in the face, and he kind of tumbles over and clicks his heel together. The <laughs> oh, yeah. Ice skates just come out, and yeah, you gotta click them back he, together to get him down. You click them in, then kick somebody. It'd be brutal. Yeah, it'd be like his his Wolverine foot trick. <laughs> I, I was thinking uh, once it didn't make a lot of sense to me when Poison Ivy becomes Poison Ivy, and. Uh, obviously she's uh, gone kind of aggro or something, but she burns the whole, as soon as she transforms, she's like, she loves plants so much, yeah. but then she's like slapping all the chemicals in the glass and lighting the place on fire. Like killing I, all those plants. Yeah. Killing all those plants. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And me and Amber watched. So I married an ax murderer recently. Yes. And um, as I'm watching after, only after she changes, not when she's like brown hair, uh, standard Poison Ivy, whatever her name is. Uh, whatever her name is. I honestly Pamela don't know what her name is. Pamela Isley. Motherfucker. The bride. Uh, <laughs> then after she changes, her, her delivery has all these pauses in them. And it made me think of when Mike Myers is doing his poetry stuff in So I Married an Ex Murderer. That's the, whoa, the man. whole time. Whoa, yeah, yeah. whoa. man. Man. But whoa, that's man. <laughs> yeah, she was a thief. <laughs> Gotta believe. That's, how, that's yeah. how she was delivering stuff the whole time. That's funny. Uh, well, you- that's That whole femme fatale thing, it's very 60s. And it's kind of like she was doing a 60s Batman thing mm. yeah. with that. And she reminded me of... Uh, Whoever the Catwoman was in the 60s series, was it? Well, um, there were two. There was Eartha Kitt and um, Julie Newmar, right? Is the other one? I think so. I think so. I'll take your word for it. Okay. But it reminded, it reminded me of that vibe, huh. which is that like that beat poetry kind of thing. It was like very sick. Yeah, like some hep, some hep cat. <laughs> yeah. well, and Ding, doggy, can you dig it? You yeah. mentioned, Ev, you mentioned Bride and Kill Bill, and I was thinking as we were watching this movie, it's like, man, I bet Uma is so grateful for Tarantino because, like, following this movie with that movie, none of these other motherfuckers in this movie. <laughs> I mean, well, Clooney went on to, to do really big things. Yeah. But despite this movie, I think this movie was a setback. Yeah, and so the, the fact that her, like, defining role came immediately after this, I mean... She had Pulp Fiction under her belt and everything, but still, like, like I just think that that was uh, is that the movie she did right after an this amazing comeback. I mean, it was I think two years later. Okay, that's um, pretty soon. So I mean, it was a short time. Uh, well, when I, was I bet that seeing this was what got her that role in the first place? Because <laughs> I think I think Jackie Brown was around the time of this movie, and so uh, it, it would have been, you know, give or take ninety nine to. 2001 something like that i noticed uh, a a little weird overdub thing in that mr freeze scene with vivica where he's oh, yeah. he's talking and, and he's looking yeah. away and then he turns to the camera and he's saying they'll pay my ransom or it's winter forever here in gotham 
and his mouth is saying something entirely different. And I was like, was that a sing more songs? (laughs) (laughs) Is that when he's in his faux freezer before his his layer thing? His wife is storage. Yeah. Yeah, that shot right before he like pounds the button. Yeah. Something as weird is going on with his mouth that doesn't line up. There's a shot later in the movie where Robin, he's struggling with the IV and he kind of comes up out of the water and then he gets pulled back down and it's just the same shot running to his end and then reversed. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets the shot again later at the end of that <laughs> Bane, too. There's a shot of Bane that gets used twice. Really? Going like, ah, Bane! Because they just didn't want to film it again or the editor's something like, wow, we really need another shot of him here. I mean, I've had it a- happen before with music videos where I'm editing... And everything is done, and then I realize that like one of my shots was compromised, or like we didn't get enough coverage of this one thing. I've taken shit and like slowed it down for a split second and stretched it, or you know, done little things like that because you basically would have to go back and get your cast and the location and all that shit. It makes sense from a production standpoint, but it's just so weird, especially in a feature film yeah on that budget to, level to, see for the sure. need to not only reuse a shot but like play it forward and then backwards yeah you know, cut well yeah for, I mean, again later. for me it's a it's a music video with a budget of three hundred dollars you know for them it's, it's a, and you're listening to the music and it goes by quick yeah and for them it's a it's a hundred million dollar <laughs> movie yeah i will say there was one part of this that i had a genuine laugh in the way that it was intended and that was when Grayson opens the door and sees Barbara, and he goes, please be looking for me. <laughs> I actually like that. I thought that was... Got that schoolgirl stuff going on? <laughs> yes, I thought that was actually very Dick Grayson thing to say. I, I liked it really spoke to my soul when, when they land from the sky surfing and Robin gets frozen, and, and Batman has to make the choice uh, who to go after. Yeah. Mr. Freeze has uh, balls. Mr. Freeze has uh, his balls out? Nah, uh, I was looking for that. Um, yeah, he has his uh, icicles, ice cubes. Oh. <laughs> um, he says, your emotions make you weak to Batman. Yeah. And I was like, that is actually, that could be straight from something, and that seems, you know, within character. I thought it was cool. It's on brand. Yeah. Says the guy who's like, whole thing is being emotionally hardened because of this traumatic thing that he actually cares so much about. Yeah, the, yeah. Guy, the guy who is obsessed with saving his wife and will do anything to do that says it to the guy who has completely forsaken having a normal life voluntarily. <laughs> Your emotions make you weak. Where's my wife? <laughs> it's, it's only towards his wife, though. That's true. And his... Uh, his Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer animation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves stop motion. <laughs> I like a lot in this one, it's super over the top, it's super comic booky. but they take all the, no shit. the Gotham stuff and they, it's like next level on everything. It's like, you know, overpasses above yeah. skyscrapers and... and I, I love it. I love the way the city looks in this. The dude, fucking, I think it's so awesome. The, I, I love the, the chase after that where they... They drive, there's a statue, a huge statue lo- located right next to the highway and they they drive off of it onto it and there's just like a number, 
while that whole thing may be pretty far-fetched, but this is comic book land, and I'm cool with it. Uh, that's like saying, no, you can't do that. That's like saying, oh, we're a punk band. It's like, that's why it all sucks and sounds bad, because we're a <laughs> punk band. It's like, no, you can I don't can't think, say that. I don't think standard physics apply in fiction world. Uh, it's just different. Yeah, we saw and, that with the ice gun. Yeah, ice gun. I like the the not not the whole driving down the. Okay, just kidding. I love driving down <laughs> the statue. Well, wait. Uh, when we first see it, though, it's crazy that I'm like, wait, they have this Greek god statue that is the size of the Statue of Liberty. And it is just... It's like the size of a skyscraper. Yeah, it's huge. It's, yeah, it's I mean, be... it's surrounded by skyscrapers and freeways, and all this shit is just entangled, twisted around like it's some giant fucking diorama thing. It's like... It's if, beautiful. If, if so, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, like, if the teacher came over to grade your assignment, they'd be like, you know, less is more, guys. Um, this is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this... Uh, I feel like there was no collaboration between city planners, and they may have all been on drugs at the same time. Well, yeah, yeah that couldn't have even been built. Like, that statue had to be there when it was just a field. Yeah, that's the first thing that the founders got them. They built a giant yeah, yeah. naked Greek statue. Yeah, and then priorities. <laughs> and then with housing, you know, it's just buildings on top of buildings. And well, I guess we're just gonna have to go in around that statue as close as we can. Yeah. I don't know, man, but I love the, especially when they make the jump. I think it looks awesome. Like it's just a really cool shot. You have like the whole spanning over to the other building, but then also the way the stuff looks down the top reminds me of shots in Fifth Element where there's just, in this case, there's not obviously floating cars, but you're seeing so far down and yeah. like all the layers of the city just seems like some super future stuff. And, and, and it could easily be, take a snapshot of that and plop it in a, in a comic book. It could, it could easily be a panel, you know, just like go balls to the wall. I'm just driving my car straight off this statue. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to make this jump. Doesn't that happen like to his goons? In the same way that it happens in uh, Mask of the Phantasm, that first scene when the car flies across the parking garage and like crashes into the side of a building, isn't that basically what happened to the goons following Freeze? Because like he makes the jump and the two guys with him don't. Uh, It's only the single car in Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, but doesn't it do the same thing? Doesn't it hit the side of a building like that? Yeah, it does. Yeah, he's the only one who clears it and lands on the top. Batman also gets there the goons just go into the building. Yeah. Also, it, it made me wonder, like, if you drive your car on top of a super tall building, where do you go from there? Yeah, it's like the, when he, de- he delivers the bat signal at the end of the first movie. Like, who who picked up the Batmobile from that? <laughs> the Batwing. He delivered it to the Wayne Manor. Or- you just drive your car from, like, rooftop to rooftop, <laughs> White Knight style, until you, <laughs> until you reach the ground. Hey, uh, Bale did it, you know. In Begins. I haven't seen that movie. Yes, these movies are very similar. I agree with you. <laughs> oh, also, when Batman ejects out of the uh, car, that's also a really dope shot. Uh, he, when he and Robin are going to jump it, and he's like, you're not going to make it. And Robin's like, yes, I am. He's like, no, you're not. And then he... Almost kills him? Yeah, yeah. He, he <laughs> disables the motorcycle, which would have been probably riskier than just letting him make the jump. Yeah. yeah. Beyond that, this, like, the hand of a giant statue over nothing. Yeah. Have your it, motorcycle just cut out and you spin out. Like this dude's a fucking trapeze artist. Yeah. yeah let, let him jump. It's also possible just 
based on weight that he would be most likely to make that jump anyways. Instead of a car, a giant Yeah, instead of a car. car. Yeah, he's he's yeah. The, the lightest thing and possibly could go the fast. Oh, actually, like that shot too, his yell is kind of silly. It's not as intense as I think it could be, you know, when he when the camera pulls away from him and he's just Damn there yelling. Batman. Yeah, exactly. I think that it could be, like, more intense, but I actually think that that shot is awesome, like, he stops the camera picks up from there and then retreats i think that's like a really dynamic angle yeah yeah you know speaking of uh angles they didn't seem either that or everything was so silly that it didn't stand out to me but it didn't seem like they did those hard dutch angles as much in this movie yeah this movie i i think this movie is shot better it's easier to digest and it just looks better. God, that's hard to say. <laughs> I, I, I want to I wanna like take the take like a protractor or something to the TV screen and then like measure the, <laughs> the like angles? how Dutch their angles are. <laughs> like, okay, well, the difference is in the last one they were using a thirty-seven and a half degree angle. This one is only twenty-three. That's why. That's what makes it more palatable. You mentioned the design of Gotham, and I thought there's a scene where Ivy drives her red car through the streets of Gotham, and it looks very much like the 89 sets of Gotham City. And then every other scene of a car in Gotham looks like forever Schumacher Gotham. It's kind yeah. of strange how they, they'll, they'll still give you bits and pieces of like, remember, it's still connected, kind of, sort of. Like, like you're saying, the ground level stuff looks like shitty New York or Chicago or something. Yeah. But the rest of it looks like cyberpunk fever dream yeah i felt like we'd turn the corner and see the monarch theater you know again no but now it's the monarch megalodome and it's got cool uh <laughs> agro crag uh, icicles hanging off the top Fuck it's a yeah. tahitian bathhouse now <laughs> the traditional gotham yeah. <laughs> uh so we skipped a couple of scenes that i wanted to mention you have ivy confronting bruce at the press conference just like nigma confronts Bruce in front of Nigma's boss there at Wayne Tech. And then we are treated to what I could only describe as a strip tease in a gorilla costume. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. It's pretty boy. much everything I'm looking for. Boy. Yes. All I can do is really point that out. I don't really know what else to say about it. It's so strange. I, uh, I, as I was watching it, I remembered that she comes out of the gorilla costume as it was happening. <laughs> and so you started this unzipping is... really fast. He's like, oh, shit. It's... Yeah, this... I got it, yeah. The, the part... as a rule, I don't stop and rewind. I just have to let it happen. <laughs> but it, uh, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's extremely strange. That whole scene is weird, too, because, it's again, it's like the the parties and the, uh, the circus from Batman Forever, where yeah. like Joel Schumacher really wanted to film these set pieces, these parties, with the weird themes and... But the party in this one looks better than the parties in any of uh, Batman Forever. It actually looks like a real party. It doesn't look like a, a, a set. I think they stepped it up in this one with all their little mini sets. They could because they keep making these little these little rooms that get used for rather than like picking an angle on a street and picking another angle on a street. You're just kind of trapped in this what almost seems like a video game level for a little bit. So yeah. you know the museum is like ice skating museum land and oh, this, this is like jungle <laughs> jungle dance party you know yeah and, it's uh, true before they renovate the bathhouse and make it her new jungle lair those guys like whole neon gang dumpster apartment but every place is just like this little mini world that really gets its own theme 
and it's really cool. That has nothing to do with anything around it. <laughs> yeah. If you walked over to the next room, it would not be Jungle Town, uh, but this one is fully immersed, though. Balls deep in the jungle. It's kind of like when you're like 10 and you and your friends are sitting around like, oh man, someday I'm going to have my own house and there's going to be like a fucking room that's just a, a bouncy a bouncy house and a ball pit, you know? And there's going to be another room for skateboarding and then, you know... There's going to be a room that's a walk-in freezer. That has my bathroom's a, a volcano! <laughs> <laughs> so, the back to the gorilla scene here. We have what, yes. is, what is a staple of certain 90s movies, the uh, auction of the sexy female to the rich guy, which we've seen in like other, uh, you know, like frat house comedies and just random shit that only, I feel like, existed in stories of that era. And it's then, like a byproduct of the 80s, I think. Uh, and then the um, dialogue after she comes out and she's seducing Batman and Robin. Who are at this party in costume. Yeah, it felt very much like the porn parody or something where it was like youth has its advantages endurance stamina and i'm like motherfucker this is pretty you know and then she's a geriatric bat she said some lucky boy is about to hit the honey pot i'm like jesus christ man like this like with the previous one though it was very much like we talked about, you know, who is this for? Like, this is definitely for adults because, you know, they're talking about fucking a lot, you know. And this movie is for kids straight up. And and, this movie exists to sell toys. Yeah, and then that shit happened. I'm like, whoa, okay, they're letting them get away with quite a bit. Well, I understand because they do that a lot with movies that are aimed at kids both. I guess there's two ways you can go about it. You can make a movie that's, like, smart and appeals to everyone. I think about, like, Miyazaki movies or just, like, some Pixar movies. Yeah, where it's even though it might be oriented towards children, anyone can appreciate it because it's it's again it's smart and it's told and like The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That's exactly it. It appeals to everyone, and so you can do it that way, or you can do it the other way, which is more like a Looney Tunes thing, where it's oriented for kids, but then there are the jokes that are going to completely go over kids' heads, which The Simpsons kind of does that too. Yeah, but so I get that maybe that's what they were going for something, some kind of risque jokes to give the parents something to laugh at, but it is. It's just it's a it's a weird mix. It more and just, as you said in the beginning, I think you're right that what makes this movie better than Batman Forever is, for the most part, it's way more consistent. Yeah, but that is still a weird choice in a movie that really just exists to sell action figures. Yeah, and it's strange in talking about one being better than the other. I still consider this a worse movie, but it is much more a clear vision, if that makes any sense. I find it easier to watch. Batman Forever. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Which is hard for me to say, honestly. Because <laughs> they're both so great. And you're yeah, because they're both so awesome. High esteem. Well, what about the whole Batman Black Goth card? That's the uh, you never Batman leave the cave Forever. without it. You, yeah, it's, so it's got that Batman credit card. But here's the thing, man. Like, not only is it just a dumb bad line, but. They're bidding against each other with Bruce's own money, just jacking up the price higher and higher that they've already yeah. established Dick doesn't have and he's going to take from him. And they're the only bidders at this point. And then he brings out this card and you're like, well, a bank isn't just going to give money without <laughs> a social security number and credit check and all this shit. So whoever, it's a comic book movie, come on. So the bank knows his identity at this point, you know. Yeah, 
this he's showing up to parties in a suit just to hang out. People are being murdered, and Batman's here at this like flesh auction. Well, you know, it was a flesh auction <laughs> in their honor. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is for them. I want to say too, though, as much as I say that this movie is created just to sell toys. I mean, I like that. I mean, I it like literally the was. Batmobile, the Batmobile looks. I like the way his armor looks. It looks like plastic. It looks like it was intended to be a small plastic toy. And I think a lot of people criticize this movie for that being just a, uh, an ad. But that's one of the things that is good about this movie. Well, it's it's literally in the foundation of it. It's not necessarily a... I mean, you can use it as a criticism, but it's not a criticism of this movie to say that. I don't know if they coined the term, but they use the term toyetic. Yeah, I was trying to remember what that word in, was. In trying to make everything something they could monetize. It's interesting how forever... They had started with kind of a regular Keaton-esque suit and then gone to the sonar suit, and it's had the big chest emblem and everything. And Robin still has the one sort of Tim Drake-looking suit, right? And then the beginning of this movie, Batman's suit is back to a sort of Burton-style suit. and it's all black. And the muscle and whatever. And then Robin's is now like the sonar suit with the big chest plate and all the shit... It was explained in the last one, like, oh, the Batcave was blown up, but we have this prototype suit we could use. And in this one, it's just like, it's the climax of the movie. I'm putting on my sexy finale suit. Mm. Are they all wearing ice suits? Because uh, to fight just, in ice, they have to wear icy-looking suits. They just have silver on them. It's almost like, because Alfred says that he makes, he makes, he has a suit for Batgirl, that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he's got a suit for Batgirl, but then he also has conveniently two redesigned suits for I had a and, lot and of left over so yeah. <laughs> and they just fit I, I, it doesn't like I know I've been dying but I've also had all this free time <laughs> well if and if they were just idle hands yeah if, if they were just like a aesthetic wardrobe change then sure you could kind of bust them out whenever you want to and like oh shit there's three of us now so we can all match and wear our uniforms together <laughs> I was in a band like that once. I didn't like it. If there actually is a benefit to one versus the other one, you'd think that you'd wear that one the whole time. If this is clearly a better uniform, you'd think that you'd be wearing that from the jump, not doing one and then another. No, it only works in ice. That's the thing. It works really okay. well, but only <laughs> yeah, in yeah. ice. That's the Sub-Zero free suits, and yeah. that's why they all did it at the same time. Yeah, it and has it to, makes fucking sense. It has to match the color palette, you know? It's smart. That's true. Man, I love their vehicles in that part, how they all get new ice-oriented vehicles. See, as much as I say that I like the vehicle, like the Batmobile in this movie <laughs> and Batman Forever, I don't like those because those just look like regular things. I like his, his whatever his like, bat, jet, boat, skate thing. That's cool looking. But whatever Robin and Batgirl are driving just look uh, like vehicles. You don't like the ice, on... the ice fan boat? That's so the, practical. Who's driving that? Robin. No, Batman, I don't like Batman it. Ha Batman has like a weird... It has like pontoons on the side, doesn't it? Yeah, it has like pontoons. Robin has what looks like a jet boat made for ice. And then just a Batgirl regular... Just gets a, a bicycle. She has a bicycle. <laughs> you know what my she only note... My only note about that scene, I just wrote pod racing. Uh, that's a compliment because <laughs> that pod racing scene is the best part of episode one. Oh, God. You're the reason why that movie is... Uh, 
Evan would like episode one after liking the Schumacher movie so much. Man, episode one is totally fine for the same reasons that this movie is totally fine, and that's because they like the vehicle design is awesome, the character design is awesome. What they're trying to tell me is dope. They still pull off some really cool things. They just they just don't have it all together necessarily. Well, you- I mean, I'll give you that like, the pod racing in episode one would be a cool thing on its own. Like just a short film that's just this cool alien race with these things. And it, I mean, it looks good, but it's stupid because it serves no point in the movie. And so, it's like, there's, there's a things huge be, portion of the movie. It's a gigantic chunk of it. And you could be fleshing the story out or like having characters do things. Instead, you waste time on this. But at least that's good. Most of the stuff in this movie, I don't think would stand as like, here's a cool little vignette of Batman, Robin and Batgirl driving ice boats down the street. Like, I don't think it would work in the way that pod racing would work on its own. I guess you're right. I could always use Hayden Christensen and that child delivering more <laughs> great eyes. Fair. That's a fair point. A fair rebuttal. <laughs> I wrote down that Bane pushes a Arkham branded shopping cart. That was neat. I like him in his like trench coat and fedora. That's so cool. That's no one's it. gonna notice. Him. It's no, his Raphael it's, disguise. It's a disguise. Didn't that didn't that <laughs> actor win or get nominated for an Oscar for this movie? Um, he actually died right after it came out. I heard. Wow! Because of this movie? Yeah, it killed him. <laughs> it's the too sh- good. The Dude. shame. Yeah, I mean, how would you continue with life after? Uh, how am I gonna top this art that I've created? Yeah, you I mean, you peaked. Go. Yeah. Can you imagine if this was like, if, if you were, whatever your craft was, and this was the f- final thing that you worked on? I mean, like we were talking about Uma got to be the bride after this, you know, like, but if this was the last thing you ever made, that's tragic, man. I, yeah, what, I, Raul Julia's last film was uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> so it's kind of like that, but he did, and once you're dead, you're dead, so it doesn't matter. But he also did a bunch of good movies before that. I don't know what the Bane guy did before this. I, I mean, think he I was a wrestler. He was a wrestler? I think so. Oh, the, the, you're talking about Large Bane. Not, <laughs> you, this is how dumb I am. <laughs> While we're talking about this. <laughs> they're two different imagine, guys. <laughs> I imagine them as the same actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- there's Skinny Bane, Skinny Bane, and Big Bane. Yeah. yeah okay, they, so Big Bane was like a pro wrestler and his heart gave out or something like they, that. Is that what you're saying? Yes, they didn't Steve Rogers him, okay? Okay. It's a different guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're, that makes sense. Jesus Christ. Big Bane is the one who won an Oscar anyways, because... It's obvious the the lines. Are, are you serious? Oh no! Okay, I, know. I didn't know if it was like a production design, like best drive <laughs> bat. It's also really relatable to me because I appreciate somebody who just speaks with that much precision and eloquence. You know, that he, no, he no words beat, wasted. Yeah, he doesn't beat around the bush. He just you know says what he wants and he he repeats the same things that. I mean, a, a partner would appreciate those qualities. They tell you a thing, and you say the thing. Dinner. The thing. Yeah, exactly. Vacation. He's fucking on it. I'm really starting to put together the pieces as to why you like this so much. You know, just it, who you are <laughs> as a it's person. Awesome. You are very concise and silly. I think I'm going to start calling you Jar Jar on this show. You know, <laughs> because that's I'll call Hayden Christensen. No, it's less insulting. I think I'd rather be Darth Maul. He's the coolest. Yeah, yeah, that's a perfect he, way. He was cool, yeah. He was cool. And and speaking of not speaking, he speaks very little. That's true. But I he's like pointless. It. What the <laughs> fuck, Ben? 
Pointless love that kid. guy. Help me out with this. I made a note that I can't visualize in my head. After this Arkham point, I wrote, all the villains commit suicide out the window. Oh, because oh, they the jump off the giant cliff. Arkham is built over a river. Yes, yeah. the escape. The giant the Grand Canyon, which runs through Gotham. Yeah. And they jump yeah. off. I thought that would have been a hilarious time to just roll credits. <laughs> Cut to a newspaper oh, yeah. and all three oh. supervillains dead. Yeah. <laughs> that part, too, especially the scenes of Arkham, I like that, but it's completely different from the previous Arkham. It's like some Lord of the Rings Mordor, like <laughs> like spiral circle the uh, the tower shot. Yeah, it's awesome. They, oh, they built the, that when they were building the statues too. Yeah, it's ancient. It's easily twelve hundred years old. I mean, I will say there are versions of Arkham in like the cartoons, comics, where it's kind of this up on a big hill sort of. Um, like Dr. Weird's castle in the beginning of Aqua Teen and shit, you know, yeah. has that <laughs> yeah. sort of quality about it. You know, so they literally built this insane asylum on the edge of a cliff, a giant cliff yeah. or a ravine. It's like the Alcatraz of Looney Bins. Uh, same thing with the observatory, too, that it's just right on the precipice, just teetering on the edge of a cliff. That's weird. It's on the precipice, but like, isn't that, aren't those buildings underneath it? I don't think so. It doesn't. I, I was trying to figure it out because in one part, I think it's when they're in the ice vehicles and they're driving towards the observatory, but they're driving to what looks like the base of the cliff as if like a cliff just exists. I assumed that the cliff faced the outside, like the city limits or something, uh, but this makes it look like as if the cliff is just located in the city and then the observatory is above it, which also makes sense because then the freeze gun is just pointed back at the city. Well, I thought it was like a wall of buildings that had been frozen. Because otherwise, it is that. It is a giant cliff. The city just ends and there's a giant um, cliff. Let's just sit here until you get to that point in the movie. <laughs> okay. Tell us when you show up. I'm about uh, 40 minutes in. I'm playing it slow, so it okay. lasts. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, well, it's a very long movie. Um, it's I've, two hours and 20 minutes, isn't it? No, no. I, I think all these movies are within five minutes of each other. Like, the first two are like two hours and six minutes, and the other two are very, very similar to that. But this... With the tone of this movie, it should be 90 minutes, you know? Yes. That's... Uh, disagree. <laughs> well, okay, uh, you, you can have the director's cut, you know? Oh, Four hours long, did they mainly ice skating. I really appreciate it in this, that in the end scene, the, the whole time the uh, somebody gets frozen, 11 minutes to thong, that's what it takes to save their life. Yeah. And so same, same thing in the end, Mr. Freeze starts shooting the city, they've got 11 minutes to thaw it, I was like, oh, shit. So I look at the DVD player, and it's at, like, 1.43. I was like, I'm going to time this, because movies often do that whole, like, yep. oh, the time bomb, the time bomb sticking down, five like seconds. Like Batman Forever, where 10 seconds took, like, 28 seconds. I'm sure that, <laughs> that movie isn't guilty of whatever you're talking about right now. But other movies are. But, you know, they, they stretch it out so it's not very realistic. And so it runs from 1.43, and by the time there's any last talk of any more ice freezing prior to his his talk with mr freeze about working together i think it's at 153 so it actually took him 10 minutes and he was true to his word and it totally fit in the time frame neat <laughs> he's a man of his word and i appreciate that well i'm gonna go back to pointing out things that are dumb robin fights bane that could be a whole episode in and of itself i feel like and then 
in the same scene walks away fine and says, I'm going solo. Thoughts? <laughs> that, isn't that, that's in like an ice cream factory, isn't it? He gets dropped an ice cream at the end of it, or am I in a different part of the movie? Uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's right. They're on, they're on the like the gangplank, and they've been blasted with the love dust again. So they're kind of at each other. And Bruce is yeah. like smart enough to go, okay. Obviously, we both feel fucked up. Like this isn't right. And he's like, screw you. I'm going solo. <laughs> Thank you, man. With your money and your Batcave. Yeah. Your Batmobile. Yeah. Can I have a loan? <laughs> How about a grant? This was like the scene in Batman Ninja Turtles where they're fighting on that warehouse walkway, but even better. Are you talking about that beautifully shot sequence of Batman and Shredder? Yeah. Oh, I hate you. Yeah, me too. That, you, one, that movie didn't have any ice cream in it, though. It had pizza. You, Sam, you asked me about the neon face paint or the neon gang in Batman Forever, and I said I liked that. Yeah, there's more blacklight like goons in this cool. one. This movie also has neon face paint gang. This movie, it looks really bad. They look the same. Too. Like, they spent so much time painting their faces in neon just to hang out with each other in an abandoned building. It just, it, it looks bad. It looks completely out of, it just looks pointless. I just want you to know they're the same. <laughs> I, I actually think that, that the, the leader of that gang, when he has his couple talking lines, makes the best sounding villain voice in, in any of this stuff. He sounds kind of off his rocker and actually sounds kind of scary. He should have been hired to play any of these other villains instead of Arnold <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought he was like the most threatening presence in this whole thing. But Bane gives everybody like a one toss and then they just it. They, they weren't very committed. Oh, I wrote down another thing that's uh, sort of like White Knight when uh, Bane picks up the bat signal. Because we have that <laughs> shot yeah. where he throws it at Gordon in the book. But in this, I see him like ripping the thing up out of the ground and I'm like holy shit is this like I definitely think Sean Murphy watched this fucking movie at some point oh, probably I, consumed every Batman thing before writing White Nights I yeah. think he's a huge fan honestly <laughs> well, we'll he to, seems he seems like he has good taste we'll have to get him on the show see if he uh, only likes the good ones or also likes these because he seems to have drawn some inspiration uh, I don't get what you're saying but yes let's have him as a guest was my phone breaking up no, it's just he can't understand your, you know, your words logical need, your sound words need point nothing that makes <laughs> Okay. I'm watching the motorcycle scene right now, <gasps> which is better than the neon face paint gang. Oh. And it's, it's serving to show you that uh, Barbara is really tough and skilled, too. Kind of like the uh, Dick Grayson scene in Batman Forever. It is sort of like the pod racing scene, and I also think it probably is too long and doesn't need to be here. <laughs> There's, like, guys on hanging from wires, but it's not... They're supposed to be hanging from ours. That's part of what these yeah. bad guys are doing. It's kind of pointless, though, because like they introduce her, and then she's off camera forever. And then she's back for a second and off camera forever, and then all of a sudden she's Batgirl. Yeah, it's yeah, completely unnecessary. Like, it's I, not Alicia Silverstone's fault. It's just not a well-written character. I think she, most, Sorry, Sam. I was just going to say, I, I think she's one of the better actors and... and, and uh, better roles in the movie when she's on screen. I like her, but her part could have easily just been removed and nothing, don't give her much to do. nothing would have been lost at all. It was just to sell Batgirl toys. Yeah. I didn't really get in two parts of that scene. One, they end up on the bridge and the bridge is clearly a dead end. So did Spike 
just lead them there so that they because that's clearly not the end of the race but they're driving on the bridge as if that's the route to go yeah i was like comic book movie i was like wait how do you win so was he in the lead only to lead them to that place because it's a trap Secondly, when the guys swing out on wires, which totally makes sense, and they throw the Molotov cocktail things, and then they then they start sliding their bikes, but they slide their bikes forever. And yeah. in the last couple shots of them sliding the bikes, I would swear that the bridge was slanted, whereas before, you know, because some bridges, they go up at the break yeah uh to like allow a boat through but this is the opposite it was straight and now it's dipping down for some reason and i can't i can't tell if if it's supposed to be flat and they just slid for two minutes straight and and then the angle of the camera makes it seem like it's an angle or for some reason the bridge actually angles down and that's what makes them slide for i think it's think of it like looney tunes it's slipping on a puddle of water or something and Uh, you know the legs are going underneath them like crazy and then it shows the long perspective shot of how far he's about to fall you know i think that's all it is i think it was supposed to be in this universe it's a flat bridge but for the sake of filming it as sam is saying it's on a slant so that they can actually just kind of let them go on wires and slide down and show the super long scene of them sliding. Although it's supposed to be a flat bridge. It looks more dynamic or something. If you could just keep saying I'm right about things, I'm going to edit a, just a montage of that and, uh, and Sam, you know, uh, play it when I go to sleep. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the, at the beginning of that motorcycle scene, Coolio is here and that's always cool. And oh, like, fucking yeah. Coolio. But that's Coolio so awesome. is, Jonathan Crane, and he, I guess he was what? talk about him being Scarecrow in the next movie. He was? Yeah, his character's name is Jonathan Crane. Really? Wow. I thought that, uh, God, I he's, just saw something today. Judge, I think, in the credits. Is he? Yeah, I think so. I just saw something today about what Batman triumphant, like he wanted to make the fifth one that was more along the lines of year one. I thought, God, who the fuck? They had someone Shoemaker else. Did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had someone uh, else cast in this... Uh, God, who the fuck was it now? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that Coolio thing. It's it, this thing. Coolio said he only agreed to appear in Batman and Robin because it was to lead to a larger role. Oh. And I guess he said... Yeah, it's supposed to be Jonathan Crane, but they didn't credit him as that. Weird. That's interesting. Bait and switch. But just imagine that movie. No. Batman Unchained, where Coolio plays Scarecrow. No. That is so dope. Oh, my God. I have a couple of Easter eggs. Yeah, what else? A couple lines by Mr. Freeze. There's a Game of Thrones-esque, but obviously predates it, where he says, Winter has come at last. He's got That's a, just what he calls his dick. He's got a Star Trek Klingon proverb, Revenge is a dish best served cold. Yes. And I think that's cool, like two fictional universes combining. I think that's just, that's probably like older than that. I, I looked up some stuff and it was like, there's a, there's a Godfather Corleone line, uh, similar to that. The, the, that's the only one that has like a straight up word for word. There's Imagine. other, yeah, there's other ones where there's a similar sentiment, but don't say that exactly. Revenge is icy. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting uh, though. I thought that was like some ancient like literary shit thing or something. I think that there is stuff like that. That's just the only one that's line for line the same. Well, I'm always on board for more Star Trek tie-ins and references. So yeah, yeah it's coming exactly. up a lot. Uh, the 
uh, when Ivy finally gets her her plant hideout, she's got that plant throne. Reminds me of Audrey Two is the monster plant in Little Shop of Horrors. Mm. And then the plant, eats her. the plant eats her, and it's just like a felt flap that falls down over her face. Yeah. No. Yeah, that was, uh, one, horrible, and two, I thought, like, she was, I thought that was her death scene, and then she's just fine. Yeah, it just kind of, like, inconvenienced her. She's like, her. I, she's like yeah, I got I, I eaten, but it, as you it, could it, see, like, it was just a blanket. Bed. It, it was just confused about what, you know, she hops back in. So it's like, oh, bedtime. And it, and it goes to the <laughs> bedtime mode. And it was only because she was there. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, it's thrown. If it's open, it's thrown. It was actually Give protecting me, her. Me. Yeah. <laughs> it was protecting her. It was a shield, you know. <laughs> just um, yeah. Oh, I got, I got two more, actually. Gotham Guards. One of them is Jesse Ventura, a former pro wrestler. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Governor. And then when they have the motorcycle races and they have all your little mini sub gangs, one of them is like the Droogs, uh, the gang from Clockwork Orange. Oh. That was neat, but a little too much. It's, I don't have anything to say. <laughs> it's awesome. I love Kubrick. I love Cock Pieces. Yeah, that movie's good, but it's... Love it's, motorcycles. It's, anytime, anytime you take a movie like this, which is a very bad movie, I'm so sorry... And you I'm so sorry. You're a, a very bad friend. <laughs> and you remind me of a much better movie. That's a bad move. That's true. Uh, no, I like them both. <laughs> Sam, have you seen that movie? No. In fact, it's so funny. Like, th- I watch so many fucking movies, and yet all the movies you guys have brought up lately, except for Drive, I think, is shit I've never seen ever. I kind of get that feeling a lot sometimes with people where with some of my friends, uh, we will all be like equally as dorky, but we all have our own separate dork departments. Like yeah. there's, there's maybe a little bit of crossover, like, okay, we all have some Batman stuff in common or some things that we X-Men that we grew up on. But Sam, you've like a lot of your interest lies there. And then, and then Ben and I have this like Japanese crossover stuff, but then even Ben has, you know, Star Trek or some of these other things that none of us have in common. It's funny. Yeah, and actually, speaking of X Men, ever since this pandemic shit started, you know, I've I've still been working through it all. But I come home and I'm exhausted because it's so stressful about being with the public, and so I wanted like dumb escapism shit to watch every day. And so I have watched the first five Spider Man movies, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, <laughs> and I have watched. Six, I think, of the ten X-Men movies so far. Um, <laughs> I'm working my way through it in the middle of whatever shows that I'm watching with the lady. Yeah, because I feel like if you're going to watch a Clockwork Orange right now, that's like going from your life, which is intense at the moment, <laughs> and then going home and then watching this like not uplifting movie that's well, also very intense and kind of disturbing. I tried so, like, watching V for Vendetta when all this shit started because I was like, wow, you know, this will speak to the times. I made it halfway, honestly. Like, I always finish movies, always, even if they're terrible, like this one. And I (laughs) just, I was like, you know what? It's just too much right now. My anxiety is through the roof. I can't do it. That's too real. But on the flip side, after a few weeks, uh, I was able to watch the new season of Ozark because it was sort of nice to be sucked into someone else's problems, you know, like... Uh 
I like watching like angry comedians and shit like that because when I'm pissed off, I could see this other person who's like in way worse shape than me. <laughs> it was sort of like like I was able to watch Ozark and sort of expel some of the stress by getting invested in their shit. But yeah, for the most part, I've just been trying to watch like nothing but escapism, you know? That's how I feel about stuff in general. And I think part of the appeal these movies to me is the same kind of thing. I'm, I'm looking for approximately the furthest from reality that I can get. Uh, That's also why I like cartoons because everything looks dope and everything is colorful and anything is possible and I don't, I don't need to watch a bunch of real people with actual problems that remind me of my normal life. I want to see a bunch of cool stuff that I won't be able to do. Oh, yeah, man. but this isn't good. <laughs> you can have, a, like, you have cartoons. You can have bright and cartoony and colorful and unrealistic. It's still, like, written well and has a story that works. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been loving that new... Uh, <laughs> I've been loving that new Harley Quinn cartoon. That's a a really good, like, escapist dumb show. It's, like, super filthy and super violent and really over the top. But it's, like, so over the top that no matter what kind of mood I'm in or how bad I'm feeling, it breaks me out of that, you know? What is that called? It's on DC Universe. It's just called Harley Quinn. I saw you post something about it, and I was like, this looks tight. It's fucking really good. Yeah, it's really good. And they- I've been uh, doing uh, a lot of reading since we, in, when we talked about White Knight and like this whole, just reading a ton of stuff. I've I've been just reading a lot of comics lately, and it's been really fun because one of one of my favorite things about reading so many different things is that I can bounce from like genre to genre. Yeah. And whatever whatever seems cool to me at the time, you know, I just read some medieval fantasy, so I need to. To, to read something futuristic and bounce back and forth and then having that much diversity in, in art styles or I'll read a longer series and then I'll just need to bust out you know three books and get a dose of something else before I hop into the next one. It's been really fun lately. Yeah, I think that uh, doing this show has really... I mean, the last couple of years I've been way more into it, but this has really reinvigorated my love for reading comics because I, I do yeah. read a lot of biographies and stuff like that too. But and, well, and then when I started to have to wear gloves at work all the time, I was like, man, I can't bring any books. And so for like weeks, I wasn't reading anything. And then I got that app and I was able to read like, I'd mentioned reading like one through four of that detective comics run we just reviewed. They had all the fucking issues. And so I, I read up through... Uh, book seven and me and ben were talking i started book eight and i was like what the fuck this is a different writer and a different artist and uh this story is not pulling me in okay i'm done i didn't realize i was done (laughs) but like i burned through those three books in like four days or something i have a friend who who talks about it and it's not quite as bad for me but i get it where he says he always feels bad anytime he binges a bunch of comics and I get it because it's not so much, it's not that it's bad or that it wasn't enjoyable, but it's just like, like think about it in terms of a movie, like in a given day, in your waking hours, you could watch like eight movies if you did nothing else. And that's, that's a lot. That's, that's the kind of life I'm trying to live. <laughs> it's pretty much what I want my life to look like. It yeah, is. You could do that, but that's all you can do. But comics, I mean, depending on how fast you read, you could consume years and years worth of work <laughs> and years and years worth of story. It's so much to, to, to consume. It's like you become a diabetic or something at the end of it, where it's like 
you just absorb so much where like it's something maybe you it was intended for you to read one a month or four in a sitting and then you well, go do something else. Yeah, but I mean the same thing about I mean a movie like this even a movie like this takes like two years to make the crew and everybody involved in this, they put so much of their lives in this for us yeah. to just like watch and then shit on for an hour. You know, that's the nature of all art is, you know, it'll take maybe four years to make an album that everyone listens to half of and then fucking never hears again. It's like, uh, okay, well, that's that's art, unfortunately. Yeah, I guess the hope is that you, you never know until it's done if it's going to be that or if it's going to be the one that people listen to. Is Evan over pissing? And over and over. It sounds like Evan's urinating over my really salient point. Are you pissing? Yeah. Do- <laughs> I, didn't know if, I didn't know if it would pick it up. I can't. I can't I'll mute. Up. Pause, pause. <laughs> Where are you quarantined? Are you like in the woods somewhere? Or are you in a cage? Does, yes. does Amber keep you in a cage at home? No. Uh, you know, when we talked about having a dream home and, uh, you know, how you would make your bathroom a jungle and stuff. So I'm in my jungle bathroom. Right oh, now. my God. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking can't mute, you know, w- one mic when it's you guys done. are I won't flush. both coming through the phone, you motherfucker. It's like I that, didn't think it would be that loud. It's like the viral video of the fucking Zoom work conference where the lady puts the phone down and crouches down and starts pissing and then freaks out and logs out because she didn't realize they all saw it. I haven't seen that. That lady's my hero. Wow. They even Yeah, they parodied it on the uh, SNL from home the other day. Well, hey, we need to uh, wrap this up because we're talking about other shit now. No! Pros. Give me anything we haven't talked about yet. Pros. So, as you said, the consistency. This movie is very consistent for the most part, and I like that. Yes. It's easier to consume because of that. The visuals. I like the way it looks. I like the design. I think it's shot better than Batman Forever. And it's just, it's shot. It's a decently shot movie. It looks pretty good. I also really liked, which we didn't talk about at all, the whole subplot of Alfred dying and him being sick. Anytime they would do those scenes where it'd be like George Clooney out of costume. Yes. Talking to Michael Go, I think is that how you say his Goff. name or Goosh or something? Goff. Um, <laughs> Goff. Yeah. But uh, okay. Goff. Uh, anytime the two of them would be would have a scene together and they would be talking about that, talking about like, you raised me and this and that. I was taken out of this movie and I was like, This this should be in a better movie. I'm actually feeling these scenes emotionally where the rest of this movie is just a cartoony mess of nonsense. So that stuff worked really well. And even though that's kind of the like the underlying story that's moving this whole movie along and is part of the climax, it's not really present in the rest of it. And I thought they did a good job with that. I think that it's the Batman Forever thing of this movie. Like when I talked about how there would be these great scenes with Chase and with Alfred and, yeah. and with Dick, you know, out of costume, those were the moments of heart in the previous film. In this one, it's not as jarring because it's so minor. It's barely in the movie. And so it doesn't what? feel like it's fucking up the tone shift back and forth. It's sort of when it finally happens towards the end that they have that heart to heart. And he's like, you know, I, love you old man and they have that whole exchange you know i think that it is more effective because they put it in its place instead of constantly trying to balance wacky antics and that but i think the other reason it works is because that stuff in batman forever is supposed to be so dark and so dramatic and he's remembering the horrible murder of his parents and he's drifting off into memories whereas in this it's dramatic and it's serious but it's not that heavy it's not heavy in that way 
again, I think tonally it works better in this movie, even though you're going from something realistic to something wacky. Whereas in Batman Forever, it was just so dark. It was really just kind of aping the, the stuff from the previous two movies. Yes, and, and this one is... comic book stuff, where this, like, their story of him losing Alfred works in the context of this silly movie. It's, it's sentimental, but it's not, like, mourning, you know? Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, with the Mr. Freeze-Alfred scenario also, I thought that that scene in particular is pretty out of left field, uh, but was also really impactful. I, I don't know what it was in it's not as if characters never say love in stuff or they talk about love. I think it's just something special about their bond and that they're not literal family. And it's not a romance subplot. Yeah. And that, yeah. that he actually says love to him and it seems like genuine sentiment I, mm. in, in watching it. I'd kind of forgotten about it and watching it yesterday. I was like, Holy shit. It sort of got me. Yeah. It's a shame that it doesn't pay off with other themes in the movie of, because they could have done interesting stuff with Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon or Barbara, whatever her name is in this. And I think that that just shows you that it's Barbara oh, Alfred. Yeah. But <laughs> by the way, so she's she's British, related to him, and lives in England. Still, no accent. But yeah, how old is her mother? How old? It's you uh, know she was a what they call sense. a geriatric pregnancy. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that picture of her looks pretty dated. <laughs> Peg looks pretty old. But yeah, I mean, I like the moments of sentimentality, like the inclusion of Nora, the way that he even does that little snow globe of her, like the animated series, you know. Uh, I, I like those little bits of heart that they put in the movie where I can be reminded like, oh, yeah, these are like real characters. They're not just fucking some quip machine you know uh, those are my only pros i think Ev? i think this movie takes what the other movie did and and just does more of it it, it even looks more quality uh even it, however it's shot the film just looks better than the other one so even if you shot the other one the same way it would look slightly better this one just looks like they had more money so the sets are really elaborate the film quality looks a lot nicer it's all the same colors and stuff and and it's a really interesting world and it looks good on my eyeballs and i like it what do we got for cons i had one more pro i like when oh. ivy uses the love dust on commissioner gordon and then she changes her mind she's like oh you're too old he's like no i'm not i do not i do I not i was so upset for pat hingle having to play that scene like I mean, he's not one of those leading men type, but he's one of those character actors that you just seen around in all these old movies, you know, and like Clint Eastwood Western, Westerns and shit. And, and, and just to see that man lowered to that scene hurt me. I'm sure he didn't care when he was cashing the check, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, he got to be close to her face and he liked it. <laughs> I, I kept thinking that she must have kind of got off on really, everything. Not leading the guys on, but in the moment like she loves to have lips two inches away from her lips because there's so many times where like they could have smooched but she just keeps talking for some reason like man if you really want to kiss him just kiss him and kill him but she just wants to like keep talking for a long time oh yeah but i think that's the whole seduction of her character she likes the manipulation and fucking with people you know yeah and just being they in control they don't really need to be seduced you <laughs> but you blew your sex powder in their nostrils. <laughs> well, 
Well, she you likes know, toying with else. them. I also really like the wardrobe stuff, too, in a lot of the Japanese comic books, or, or even in, like, X-Men or something. All these upgrades and all these power-ups and all these costumes, things happen so frequently that it, it's almost, it's like a visual theme at the very least. That's how I feel about Poison Ivy and her stuff. Mr. Freeze, he's got his pajamas, which are awesome. <laughs> he's no. got pajamas, and then he's got his one suit, but Poison Ivy has her multiple wardrobe changes and i think that they all look cool either you know as separate characters or or as what could be different artists take on the same character all appearing in the same thing yeah that gorilla costume is really hot <laughs> oh, dude. i will I say that i think ivy's main costume just the like the green tights and the bodysuit I yeah. think from the neck down looks very good, classic Poison Ivy. I don't really love what they did with the, the hair and the f- facial uh, stuff that they added, like over-the-top crazy eyes and stuff like that. But You don't like the red cone hair and the bushy brows? Uh, no, not not my favorite. <laughs> but, but yeah, in terms of pros, I, I would compliment the, uh, the basic costume design of her character, yes. Cons? I wrote literally everything else. Yeah, all the other stuff we talked about. (laughs) I want to make an amendment here because a lot of times we get to the end of the show and we're like, all right, so pros and cons, you know, let's go down our list. But I think what's important is we talk about everything in the show, right? And then in pros and cons, let's start using this more as a catch-all for the things that we missed in these categories instead of reliving them. I don't want to do that. You just want to, you want to say all the same shit again? Because I feel like I'll be like, well, we already stuff. talked about this one that I'm going to list, this one that I'm going to also list, that one I'm going to also list. I know, I, I said all my cons. That was the, the meat of the thing. Yeah, I mean, my pros section, when you were finished, I said, I mean, when shit comes up that's in my section, if, if we're naturally there, I just go with it, you know. I don't want to alter the fucking flow of things just to fit some box later. I think one of my main cons is that Alfred has a whole PowerPoint presentation about Batman <laughs> locked on a disc behind a three-digit password, which yeah. is maybe the worst kind of password you can have. And that just... Peg. That's very stupid, Alfred. Yeah, not even Geraldo. One of my biggest pros is the, <laughs> you the didn't, movie. You didn't get it? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the dog. I thought maybe it was Geraldo, your chihuahua. It's Max Shrek's oh. dead puppy. Dead <laughs> Uh, one of one of my biggest pros is that this that the movie has uh, real world helpful home ownership applications when they <laughs> escape from Arkham and Mister Freeze freezes the water in order to break the wall and he says always winterize your pipes. He did say that. Yeah. Yep. That's just good advice. In, in my cons, I one thing and I underlined it. It just says Smashing Pumpkins. Fuck! That wasn't even in the movie. It was in the credits. There's a song. Yeah, in the credit. You don't like it? <laughs> I sw- I feel like last episode forever, you know, you're doing this whole thing the whole time, just fucking with me. And now this time we had a really good conversation. Now at the end, it's like, yeah, but I'm still... Fuck you. I think that what I think is the silliest thing is that you think that you can dog on stuff to me all the time. And then when I say one thing, you can't handle it. No, because I question if like you meant that and then you just go silent. If I'm shitting on you, I'll continue to shit on you. Let you know where my intentions lie. He's peeing again. 
yeah. He's peeing again. I'm taking a silent poop. Does this? Does the camera? <laughs> does the mic get Okay, up? fine. All right, my cons: Barbara's orphan backstory completely unnecessary. Does the not character of Barbara does, does not inform her character. Yeah, and really, her arc could go. Bane's retardation. I don't know what was going on there. The way he only says one syllable at a time. The Ivy and Freeze dialogue. Okay, all the dialogue. That's what I wrote. I couldn't at any point buy into what anyone was saying, really, except the Alfred Bruce stuff that we already talked about. Trifecta. What do we think of him as a detective? Oh, he's a great detective. He knew where Barbara went to school, Oxbridge Academy. Because it was on her sweater? Yeah. He knew that Alfred was sick. He mentioned this to Dick prior to ever offering any assistance, which he, which he then did shortly after, but sort of like way too late. Now that your illness has really progressed, so what can I do for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm really preoccupied with this crime-fighting thing, and um, it's not that I didn't notice. It's just that my priorities are a little... In a different order right now. This hot redhead came into town, and I've just been really caught up in that. Yeah, when you have half a boner, it's really hard to focus on your father figure. <laughs> you shouldn't be <laughs> focusing on your father figure when you have I, a half a boner. I thought it was kind of harsh that in the last couple movies, the Bruce Wayne characters are just so ready to just toss their dicks into marriage with these two girls. And, <laughs> they barely and, know. Yeah, and then in this one, the girl's just kind of like mentioning possibly marriage in the future and he's like mm, i don't know <laughs> <And it's Elmer laughs> yeah yeah i read a story anyway i read a quote that uh the cast was asked like if you could take home anything from the set what would you take and poison ivy is like oh my throne and arnold's like oh the suit clooney goes el mcpherson <laughs> I thought you were going to say Pat Hingle said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Pat Hingle said Uma Thurman. Um, take, take one of those turtlenecks. <laughs> I wrote down that uh, Batman doesn't realize that Ivy is Pamela Isley, who had just given him the whole public ambush thing at the press conference. Like, again, the whole Clark Kent syndrome. He does the satellite sunlight thing to melt the ice at the end, which is, I mean, sort of sciencey and all, but um, I wouldn't score him very high as a detective in this one. No, I don't. Yeah, it doesn't seem part of his character. Not so relevant. How about the ninja? He, can, he slides down that brontosaurus pretty... That takes a lot of balance. Oh, yeah. He yeah. surfed the skies. He can <laughs> fight on ice skates now. Yeah, that's very ninja too. Again, not, not much. Negligible. It's, yeah, not much of a fighter. Not stealthy. Trauma? Other than the Alfred thing, not really. He's this, this is a very well-adjusted, chill, Bruce Wayne Batman. There's the one part where he has a fight with Dick, and then he talks about it with Alfred, and he's like, am I really the my way or the highway guy, you know? And then they play that other Limp Bizkit song. <laughs> 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 that hadn't been written yet, also. Um, and then... They have that little flashback montage of, uh, for some reason, right outside that window is where his parents' headstone was, and Alfred comforting <laughs> so him. Walk very far to go see it. You know, so, <laughs> on your property. It's yeah, scary. right outside the window. Right outside Alfred's study, so that uh, whenever, 
It was almost like a punishment to him. It was like in the will <laughs> that you will never forget. We are watching you. You Just will in take. Case you ever feel good about anything? Don't. <laughs> you will take care of our son. Yeah, I mean, I thought that it was uh, sort of there, but didn't really matter. I mean, nothing really that happens in this movie matters. He has that real talk where he levels with his lady friend. Not that he's traumatized. Uh, I like how cool he is about it, but he is just being realistic with her. Like, I don't think so. I kind of got a lot of stuff going on. But even though in the last movie he met a psychiatrist and like three dates in, he's like, I'm ready to get married. She was hotter. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're both... Uh, Nicole Kidman is extremely attractive, but Elle McPherson was basically... Her job was just to be... I know, attractive. I know. I'm just she kidding. She didn't even have to act. Yeah, she's a bad Ratings. It's a one and a half. It's a little bit better than Batman Forever for me. Really? Easier to watch. I'm going to give it the one because it is a more consistent movie and it, it, it follows what it sets out to do. But if you were to take the 80-20 balance of like things I don't like in Batman Forever, well, this just basically took the things I do like down to 1%. So it has a cool score and... <laughs> you get uh, one or two good scenes of the actors being actors, and then the rest of it is all the stuff I didn't like about Forever. So, so though it is less upsetting to watch, it's not as jarring, it's still just like I keep checking my watch, like when is this going to fucking end? Full disclosure again, I watched this movie at like one and a quarter speed. So <laughs> that, that maybe is why I appreciate it a little more than Batman Forever. I, I even made it like I watched it in the afternoon because I knew it'd be mad if like, you know, after dinner I sit down and watch a movie every night and I was like, I don't want to waste tonight's movie on this. <laughs> I'm going to be that time back. I'm going to be mad. So I watched it in the daytime <laughs> last week so I could at least cleanse the palate with something uh, that I cared about. If we're doing half points, then I'm going to say nine and a half out of five points. Stop it, doing this. It's that much better than Batman Forever. It's not quite double perfection, but it's getting close. It's about as close to a comic book cinematic masterpiece as ever I could hope to feast my eyes upon. I hope that in the future we get regular Evan back because I miss him. <laughs> yeah, you get me off. This is what, wait, no. <laughs> this, this is me anyways, and then you get me on it. All the other episodes also. Okay, then I hope we get the slightly moderated version of Evan that we had on the previous dozen episodes. <laughs> well, as there's only two movies that have ever been made that are this awesome, and we just covered them, then that's it for this until Joel Shoemaker picks, picks up the lens and makes another one of these bad boys. Until he makes more shoes? I don't know where they found that. Chris Nolan hobo anyways, but I wish they would have just kept this dude on. Actually, that is a great segue to the last thing I'll say about this movie. As much as I have no interest in ever watching it again, even Clooney said we quote-unquote ruined the franchise, that's the best thing about this movie is that it gave us the, in all honesty, most perfect Batman movie just from like a technical standpoint, Batman Begins. We wouldn't have had that without this going in the direction it did and losing the fans that it did. 
So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh man, I wish that Burton's third movie would have got made and other stuff like that. But if shit hadn't gone the way that it did, we'd be missing out on this other stuff that came later that I really love. And they wouldn't have had those opportunities if it had happened a different way at a different time. So I do appreciate it for that. Well, you're welcome. All right, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to encourage you to check out the quarantine con that I've been doing, quote unquote, on my Instagram. If you go to at batfanaddict, you can check out the cool stuff I've been ordering from creators and shops around in lieu of the conventions we would have had this summer. Now, to follow up on my X-Men point, I did get through all 10 X-Men and Wolverine films. That was a great time. Lastly, I want to give you a tease at what's coming next. We got a theme of Batman, Robin, and the Joker. We're going to kick this off with A Death in the Family, the 1980s classic that gives you the final days of Jason Todd. So stay tuned to the Bat Fanatic podcast.